Hi, I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Sam M. Walton College of Business. Welcome to Be Epic, the podcast where we explore excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality, and what those values mean in business, education, and your life today. I have with me today Colin Jones, president at Resi. He graduated from Walton College in 2015 and has been quite an entrepreneur. He um, had started his own business back in 2012 doing search engine optimization, web design, social media, e-commerce, et cetera, et cetera. And now he is the president of Resi, a streaming technology company. So, Colin, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much, Matt. And looking forward to the conversation. And of course, love my time and love the Walton School of Business and um, got a lot of value out of it. Um, and yeah, you're in a great spot. I miss Northwest Arkansas. <laughs> well, Colin, your path is really interesting. And if you wouldn't mind, you know, because you were in school from 2011 to 2015 and you started your Colin Jones design in 2012. So I suppose that was at the end of your freshman year. Is that right? Yeah, correct. So I started when I was about 16. I played golf with a guy that ran his own internet company for car dealers. It was called ClickMotive. And by the time they sold, they had, you know, Ford, Acura, Toyota, Alexa, you know, all of these big companies and brands that, I mean, basically every big auto company that they did the websites for. And so that's how I learned website development and SEO. And then that was a really great experience because I got to work under him um, doing various different, you know, roles across the business. Um, And then um, when I came to school, you know, we, I did um, the entrepreneurship degree in college, and, and that was a great experience because they taught you, you actually had to do your own P&Ls and, you know, all this stuff that's very recommended on a very detailed level. And then in, in school, um, you know, that was before websites were really, if you're a small business, the chance of you having a website was pretty low. You know, the, the larger companies had them, not the smaller ones. And so we could go to these smaller companies, whether it's an insurance agency or a gym or whatever it was, and build them a website and get them on a recurring, you know, monthly kind of ad spend and design work spend, if you call it. And so did that and um, that worked out well. And it paid for a lot of my college life and and savings after and all of that. So when I look at the list of what you're doing, you were looking at different verticals like aerospace, healthcare, retail, and you were doing, of course, pay-per-click. So search engine optimization and many others that that's a broad range of uh, industries and also a broad range of uh, services. Was it hard for you to learn how to do all of that? Yeah, I think copywriting as a skill is very important and, you know, it's becoming increasingly important. But essentially, you know, copywriting from a marketing standpoint is very similar across, you know, industries, right? It's what's the value prop and how do I communicate with whoever your customer base is, whether that's a technical customer base or, or a customer base that doesn't care, you know, and they just want the the quick facts. And so I think that really taught me copywriting, which I think is a very important skill in terms of value prop. But it was really, you know, I, I would sell to whoever <laughs> would buy at that time, right? And we had a few like employees during college that you know, worked part-time on doing things for us and wanted to keep them as busy as possible. And it was kind of cool because in that phase, I didn't have to run it like a, a company that I have now where I have, you know, full-time staff with benefits that I have to pay. And, you know, we have now at Resi, we have over 80, you know, full-time employees and 
Um, and the, the PL looks a lot different than it used to. And it, you just have a lot of flexibility in college when you can do your own businesses. And it really taught me the founding core principles of, you know, where, where's the, where's the blue ocean, right. Of, of what's not being reached today and what's the cost per click to get a lead. And now it's kind of cool because technology has changed. Now you can get, what's the cost to get a customer. <laughs> that was really difficult to get back then. We could estimate it. But now in our business today, from a marketing funnel, you, you know, I know that each new customer cost me $236, right? Um, technology's definitely grown a lot, even in the six years in terms of a tracking perspective. So Colin, if you wouldn't mind, talk a little bit about your transition from your own company to being the president of Resi. And also, you know, just tell us about Resi. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. So um, high level career story wise, after doing call on Jones Design, I always did different kind of jobs. I was a camp counselor my freshman year summer, and that was a lot of fun. And then I led student instructing and then, um, you know, wanted to do a management program with that too. And then worked for Hewlett Packard and kind of got the big company experience, you know, and then actually didn't like that at all and left after two months. I finished, you know, my, my vague commitment as an intern and then went to work as a startup and same startup that this guy at the previous startup that I worked for had sold to um, auto dealer.com and then auto trader. And so I got to see, you know, learn a lot of the financing side and kind of what happens after you get bought. And this one was the same story with a new company triggered around medical software. And so started working for them a lot of hours during the week, my senior year. And then as I was interviewing for different jobs and, you know, trying to walk through the, that question, it's so hard, you know, when you're a senior, and you're looking at different things to do, even if you've had internships, you know, it's just the whole world's open, right? And you've seen a very small amount of it from a work perspective. And that was a very pressure-filled, anxiety-filled time for me as someone who wanted to, you know, make a difference in the world and be a good steward of gifts and want to be high-performing. And that was a very difficult time. I, I remember, you know, I was doing this interview at Workday and I was at the very, very last, it was my second time in San Francisco, one of the best companies to work for in the world. And it was a shoe and I'd already gotten the job offer and all of that. And I needed to do one last presentation more so for fun. And I had this time where I couldn't remember the next thing on my mind. I had done presentations, you know, all day through different work stuff and was a student instructor. So spoke in front of people all the time and that had never happened to me. And just got in front and literally couldn't remember. And it was kind of funny The the first two of the people in the front row started crying because they believed in me so much and then were seeing me fail. And that's what the job was. It was presenting technology to executives. And, you know, you can't have someone do that, that I uh, can't remember the next word in the presentation. Um, and so didn't get that job and walked out really disappointed, but also thankful for the clarity. And then ended up getting a few different kind of job opportunities that different companies that I worked for, like, like Hewlett Packard and different things like that. And took kind of a smaller one in healthcare software. You know, it was at the time they had just gotten bought by private equity and they were um, expanding by buying other businesses. And there was a real fit in that. I was kind of a person that understood, you know, digital and the digital transformations that need to happen. And, you know, what happens when you do things like the API economy and all of that and, you know, the move to the cloud and um, the different kind of sectors there. And I know that you guys are very focused on blockchain and that was definitely one of them. And so just was positioned that way in the company. And so I got to sit in a really cool spot um, at that company and was there for two years as the, I kind of led the digital marketing stuff. And so that was a lot of fun. And I, I would definitely recommend, you know, to students that are listening to position yourself in a digital way, you know, be the one to volunteer to write the right white paper on blockchain or whatever the next thing is, you know, digital was today, whatever's tomorrow. And then got really restless every day as I was working in my office there. And then, you know, would always stay open and help out my friends as they're starting new businesses and give them financial statements and how to do marketing and all of that. 
So this one was one, um, Rezi, it used to be called Living is One, that one of my friends had started and he was a really great guy, a very technical founder that had solved this problem and it was streaming. So we were trying to stream to different buildings and online audiences and there was no good solution for it. He actually worked at Hewlett Packard and ran all their streaming divisions. And so they would use very expensive technology, like millions of dollars to get video from different locations um, reliably. We all know the downsides of Zoom <laughs> and or Teams or whatever we're using. It's great for conversations, but you know, a bunch of people watching a meeting happens, not very fun. There's dropouts, there's bad video quality and people expect Netflix quality, right? 70% of people are gone by the second buffering wheel. And so the Zoom and you know meetings, it's all based on this protocol called WebRTC. Just it's a physics problem, doesn't do well over public internet. And so we created a patent and a way to do it with much better clarity and reliability. And so the the technology had a really great value prop and was changing the world, right? In that aspect. And so um, and all we had to do was scale it. And so I jumped on, I guess about four or five years ago. And then now we, you know, have over 80 employees and have over $150 million valuation and are growing really quickly. And we also get to do what we love. So we we get to kind of choose our customers and choose the culture. And it's been really fun getting to, you know, lead that now. And you're right, I am very young and it's been very difficult in that aspect. I've had, you know, a lot of bosses that I've learned from that have been really good and some that are really bad. And you probably learn more from those that are really bad, you know, so I wouldn't be afraid to take a bad boss because <laughs> it teaches you a lot of the leader that you want to be. And now I get to be in a really fun position that, you know, has a lot of risk, but a lot of reward. And I love getting to, you know, lead a culture and get to be the the guy that does all the dirty work. So, Colin, it's hard to find talent right now in, in the space you're in. How are you doing it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we struggle with it. We have, you know, a very appealing culture. Um, people normally come to us who want to make organizations better. We have a lot of churches and nonprofits that have a lot of mission behind, you know, what they do. And so I think a lot of people come to our culture that want to get out of the, hey, I'm, you know, working 95 to sell diapers or whatever it is, right? I want to, even though diapers are very meaningful, I want to do something that's more directly meaningful or whatever, something that can impact lives being saved, like Samaritan's Purse is one of our organizations or whatever it is, right? And we're, we're that way as founders. And so we get to work with a lot of people who are mission-minded um, and we actually don't hire people that aren't. So it makes it even more challenging for us to hire people because we have a very strict, you know, keeping that culture, that culture, because we believe that even though we could hire people and get butts in seats, that would be way more expensive than just waiting um, until we find the right person that aligns with the, the mission and culture. And so we hire people mostly through our customer networks. So we get to hire a lot of those people and kind of the infrastructure and then also just relationships from us. It's, it's very hard right now because we're competing with Amazon and Facebook and all of those salaries. So most of it's through existing relationships, which gets hard as you get bigger. Um, you know, it was easier when we had five employees to hire friends that you knew did well. And now that we're over 80 and we, we need to probably hire another 100 people in the next year, it gets a lot more difficult <laughs> to scale that. So that's a big current problem we're going through. And I noticed too, a lot of the resumes that I see don't have the right tech experience, especially up college. So you know, would love to talk to that too. It'd be helpful to new grads. Yeah, please do. Yeah, so there's um, I I'm responsible um, in what I do for you know I share strategy with our CEO and then I'm responsible for finance, sales, and marketing and success. So those are the four divisions that are under me, and then the budget for everything. So we hire you know developers all the time. If you're listening to this on the Walton College of Business, you know you want to make relationships with developers, but you, you're probably a personality that doesn't want to be one. It's still a great thing to learn how to code. Java developers right now, Amazon is paying ridiculous prices. If you get a job at Amazon, it's about 150K starting salary right now. 
which is nuts. And so we're competing with that, right? And on the other sides of the business, you know, all of these other roles start out much lower than that. So if you can become a successful Java developer and just be happy writing code all day, you'll have a great salary <laughs> for at least until robots automate things. And then on the side of success, I think success is probably the underdog, especially when you're in a CPG, you know, focused kind of economy. And, and I've noticed a lot of cool things coming out with the Walton School of Business relating to technology um, and product development on all of that. But you don't have a lot of insight to departments like success. So success, there's really like, three entry points if you're a people person or have want to do those gifts in in a software company and those are you know doing entry level tech support i'm doing entry level success and having like an sdr role in sales which is sales development in the marketing side too there's obviously entry level roles but normally we never really hire marketing people that don't have any experience you know they've got to have some sort of intern story right that's hey i you know was able to build x to x right at my short time at this or whatever and we'll hire that way um, so and I, that's would, a great, I would yeah. imagine your experience having your own company around e-commerce and web design and search engine optimization, et cetera, et cetera, that probably helped you in this role too, right? Yeah, for sure. What's funny is, you know, I would try to get out and sell anything you can, you know, like there's, you know, sales is kind of the key skill that as long as you have that, you can kind of figure out, you know, funnels and value prop because you're trying to do it. So we used to do this thing where we at nights, we'd get off work with a friend and we would go paint numbers on streets and we would knock on each person's door and try to sell that to them for anywhere from 15 to 40 bucks, <laughs> whatever they would do. And the and that was a really great experience because you got to, you know, there's only a few types of personalities in the world and ways to sell to them. And that was really, really helpful in understanding that from a scalable online approach, right? And seeing what works. And so I think actually, you know, marketing experience is great. And um, what's probably the most valuable thing is going and trying to sell things to people, which I'm sure any entrepreneur has had to do, whether they like it or not. Well, you know, I've known of a few people in my life who are quite successful business people who, when they were in college, sold books door to door. You know, it's it's really hard and, and challenging and you get turned down a lot. But I even know of a, a student this past summer that did that. You know, I think it's good training, but it is very, very difficult. It's true. Yeah. And once you can kind of get over the self-forgetfulness, if you want to call it that, <laughs> then it's great. And yeah, in terms of the success department too, I think we'll see that up and coming. And it's a great way to get into the product workflows. Really, you have, you know, success is kind of wrapped in with professional services, which means, you know, custom solutions for customers and keeping on the platform. So they're responsible for numbers like net revenue retention and churn, which net revenue retention is how much is your existing customer expanding every year. So for a company like Salesforce that is big, you know, or even Zoom, right? Like net revenue retention, well, not right now because of Corona, but net revenue retention is oftentimes a much bigger piece of their revenue than net new business, right? Because if they can expand the customer base by 125% every year, you know, and they're a $500 million company, they would have to sell $200 million worth of stuff in order to outbeat the net revenue retention. And so I think we'll see success really come up in the world. And I think it's a great positioning in the organization. Not many people know about it. You're talking to customers. Generally, you're given quite a bit of customer access, even though you're not very trained, like the sales route of the SDR first, you know, you're pounding on doors, just basically doing what we were talking about, selling books to people across the dorm. And, you know, that's not a very fun job, um, but it leads you to other things. Success, you kind of get to skip that role. And, you know, you're responsible for when a customer wants to cancel, you talk to them. So you have to do that gap selling of, hey, why'd you originally come to us? And what's your ideal state? And then what caused you to, you know, stray, right? And all those things. And 
I think all of the divisions, you know, are interesting from a, hey, I'm out of college, what do I do standpoint? But I think success is one that, because it doesn't pay very high in the beginning, it leads to very great things. We have a guy right now that started in success that is now leading our whole dealer network. I mean, he almost doubled his salary in 11 months just because he's been so successful there. So I think that's a great way to move up the organization. So Colin, we've got a number of students that are listening to this and I'm sure they're very impressed by what you've accomplished at such a young age. What should they be doing to really just improve the value they can add when they, when they graduate? Sure. Yeah. I think Matt just told me about his son, Luke, who has started his own, you know, PPC kind of data-driven marketing agency and just doing anything like that that you can do even while you're working or anything where you're teaching yourself a skill is really important. You know, in school, I learned a lot of great stuff in college, but they don't teach you the detailed, how do you do X, Y, Z, and how do you move a number, right? They teach you the theory behind it, but you don't get the actual experience of how to move the number, right? You've got to do that on your own. And a lot of the classes encourage that, like, you know, hey, go start your own business or whatever it is, right? So you can still do that inside school, but definitely try to make your summers and the time outside of class, you know, meaningful with activities of getting the, here's how I move this number X to Y. So whether that's doing, you know, a website for your friend's coffee shop, or, you know, that's, you know, being an intern for free at a company that allows you to manage their support, whatever it is, I would definitely try to get experiences like that. And as we move on to, you know, more of the gig economy, but also the tech economy, I think that'll move much more into how did you move X to Y number to number and there's a lot of ways to do that, but you know, most of the time you need to apply yourself somewhere outside. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Be Epic podcast from the Walton College. You can find us on Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, or look for us wherever you find your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and rate us. You can find current and past episodes by searching Be Epic podcast, one word, that's B-E-E-P-I-C podcast. And now, be epic.